Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face. and I'm your host, Joseph Smith. Tonight, I want you to meet some of my friends. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, actually, they are my friends, but I'm not Joseph Smith, Sean McCraney, and uh, we start off the show tonight praising God, thanking Him for allowing us to be part of this ministry, and uh, may He be with you, too, as we talk. We have uh, two young ladies here tonight. We have Christina and we have Amanda, uh, both from Highland, and really, as we've stood here preparing for the show to start, uh, have some amazing stories. So uh, just in a nutshell, Amanda, tell 18 years Christian, and then? Mormon three years. Mormon three years, and then what happened? And then I took my name out, and I'm Christian again. And you're Christian <laughs> again. Well, praise God. I'm glad to see that she says I was Christian 18 years, then Mormon, and then now I'm Christian again. That is a really good way to put it. Yeah. You passed the test. Christina, uh, a fantastic story. We got to get these girls on the X-Files, which airs, by the way, on Friday night from 8 to 9. Uh, interviews with people who have come out of Mormonism. Christina, anything you'd like to share with the audience? Jesus is my Savior, and he can be yours, too. How does that happen? Just open your heart and pray to God to come into your heart and change your life. And that happened to you in a miraculous way, didn't it? Absolutely. The story these girls have, I don't know about Amanda, but I do know Christina's are amazing. Girls, God bless you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks. All right, thanks. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We, come back. We have a birthday. And, and I don't celebrate them, but uh, so we're going to do a happy birthday on three. One, two, three. Happy birthday. Thank you. How old are you? 23. 23. Young girl, thank you so much. What a way to spend her birthday here at Heart of the Matter. Oh, uh, listen, our good friend Brandon sent an article that came out last week through ABC uh, Channel 4 here in Salt Lake City. They edited an AP Wire story, and uh, this is what it says. It should come up on your screen. Um, Salt Lake City, Utah, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is growing by leaps and bounds at a time when many other Christian churches in the United States are seeing drops in membership. The U.S. Religion Census released their report on religions and found membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints jumped 45% from 2000 to 2010. Over that same time period, Catholic church membership dropped over 5%, and overall mainstream Christian church membership dropped about 12%. Uh, researchers took data from 236 religious congregations in the United States. Overall, Mormon church membership grew by 2 million members nationally since 2000. That's what it says. Now, what they didn't uh, include here is when they said that uh, uh, Protestantism uh, has dropped, uh, they're talking about denominational Protestantism, for instance, Lutherans, Baptist, but non-denominational Protestantism has grown by 17%. They didn't include that in this uh, article, but I, I just wanted to cast a light on it so you could see a better picture. Uh, additionally, the religious census uh, seemed to uh, indicate that Islam is growing at a rate that is as fast or faster than Mormonism. If you want to read the specifics of this study, we put it up on the screen for you. Um, and you can check it out. Now, in the face of this news, we received some feedback. I was going to play you a voicemail that this one guy left us, but after listening to it just a minute ago, he sounds drunk, 
and he he just says, yeah, you can see, you know, our our statistics are showing that what you're doing is doing nothing but helping us grow, and we are growing, and you are not, etc., etc., etc. How does the Bible describe the growth of the true church of Jesus Christ? What did Jesus say? Many people from their natural minds think that size and growth is indicative of truth and that God is a God of power and might in terms of numbers and that's how he works. And uh, uh, actually, it's quite the opposite. You go in the Old Testament, you look at stories. David was punished for counting uh, the children of Israel, the armies of Israel, because uh, that was a relying on the flesh. And it's by small means and it's by weak means and by debased things that the Lord actually does his work because in that he's glorified, not through the might of men. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 13, 14, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Listen, and many, many there be that go in thereat. He goes on, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life and few be there that find it. By the word, that word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T in the King James is not the same as S-T-R-I-G-H-T in the English. The word straight is the gate and narrow is the way. It means a very small, difficult opening to find that is uh, uh, twisted in a sense once you get in and you have to maneuver to move through that. It does not mean straight as in straight is the gate and narrow is the way. That's not the meaning at all, although religionists often think it is. This passage says nothing uh, about the real believers or the saved growing exponentially uh, but rather, they will actually be few. Where do you stand? In John 3, 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus that old familiar phrase, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The growth of religion is meaningless. Islam, Mormonism is meaningless in terms of the picture of true salvation for individuals. I mean, Mormonism and Islam supposedly being the fastest growing faiths on this earth. What does that tell you? What does that tell us? It tells me that people are seeking structure. They're seeking laws to keep them, their families together. Uh, they seek for a place to belong. But it says nothing to me about people being saved, being born again, being part of the few uh, and few are there that find it crowd. We received a copy of a picture from a viewer named Sean uh, from this that was posted on Facebook by an LDS uh, member and it's being passed around. Let's take a look at that picture. And if you can't see that, it's a sign on the highway and it says one way and it's pointing to the temple. Uh, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And yet... Uh, the, one of the fastest growing churches on the earth, they like the idea that the one way is in a building and that you do rites and rituals and ordinances within that building in order to secure your eternal life. Uh, but, you know, these alternatives uh, to the Lord are going to abound in these last days. Alternatives that include belonging to clubs for moral reformation, 
churches that are bent on growth and power and money, false prophets and their books that lead people from the Lord rather than to him. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, listen to how the Laodicean church is described, which kind of pictures our church in this day. It says in verse 15, Jesus says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Isn't that interesting? So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know, water, if it's cold, is refreshing and it, and it nourishes us. And water that is hot disinfects and gets rid of germs. But lukewarm just breeds sickness and, and pathetic indifference. And that's what he's describing. Listen to verse 17. Jesus says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Jesus says, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Fast growing churches and religions that do not teach truth but pander to the masses with deception and marketing schemes are nothing but a sign of the times, but we got to get used to it. Uh, the common consensus, I'm going to tell you, is the greatest lie in the world. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, as described by Jesus Christ, was never meant to be a world superpower, but small, true, suffering band of brothers and sisters who truly love the Lord. So I want to extend an invitation to you before we uh, go to prayer. Anybody who is there who's seeking to know the true and living God, are you interested in being part of an underfunded, struggling to survive group of unique misfits who make Jesus their literal king every moment of their lives. Do you want to be part of that group? Are you the type who is so sold out to him or wants to be sold out to God that you are willing to lose everything for him and him alone? And not that you have to, but are you willing to? Not to a church, not to a man, not to a system, but to him and him alone. Are you someone who either loves or is willing to love him more than you love your family? more than you love your spouse, more than you love your job, more than you love your children, are you willing to be that kind of believer? Are you willing to suffer for him, be despitefully used for him, be persecuted for him and him alone? If this is you, I invite you to join the lowly and the meek and the sinful and the lost, or as the, an LD apologist once called them in my presence, to join the group of uh, uh, Santa's broken toys and make God your king make Jesus your life and your master of everything there's a price to joining the family you're not gonna be as popular maybe as you once were you typically won't be blessed with wealth but many very good uh, Christians are and you generally won't be seen as one of the beautiful people but you will have him with you throughout this life and in the eternities to come so do not get discouraged when these things come out and the hype starts coming with it and you see the glory of man being manifested because to God it's pure dung. Uh, with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you and seek you that your presence will be with our audience members wherever they are, around the world, on streaming video, watching the archives, here in our studio audience or uh, throughout Idaho and Utah where they're seeing this live. 
We pray for people who are seeking, people to receive that invitation to discover you and you alone as a source of salvation. Uh, Father, we pray for these things. Pray for our staff, the volunteers, the technical things that go on with this program. In Jesus' name, amen. So Joseph Smith has now finally published 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon. It's taken us 45 shows to get to this point as a pretext for this publication of the book. The year is 1830. Now there's several events that are going to occur shortly after the publication of the Book of Mormon that are gonna be important to talk about. They have to do with a man named Sidney Rigdon and uh, who played a major role in the development of Mormonism, if not in the development of the Book of Mormon itself. And I haven't even mentioned him yet. Part and parcel with the appearance of Sidney Rigdon comes some interesting possibilities on how the Book of Mormon uh, could have come together, and we're going to talk about those. But explaining them is going to take some time, and according to the LDS timetable, which they tell everybody, Joseph did not meet Sidney Rigdon until about a year after the publication of the Book of Mormon. Well, there's a hypothesis out there that's promoted by many people, and it's a hypothesis that Joseph uh, actually was tutored by Rigdon prior to meeting uh, the LDS saying they met, and that Rigdon's writings are all throughout the Book of Mormon, and we'll be able to show that certainly that is true, but whether he met him or not, or it was from the influence of somebody else, remains to be seen. Uh, additionally, and as part of the post-Book of Mormon printing timetable, there's a few other factors that we're going to need to cover. One, Joseph Smith established a church in 1830. The book was published. He established his church. And so we'll talk about that. He also had to go to court twice in two different cities for being a glass looker. And so we're going to talk about those two things. And then also he decided to move from his glass seeking uh, area of New York to Ohio to meet up with this Sidney Rigdon. And so all of that is, is important to the story uh, that we're going to tell. But before we go to the phones, we want to give you an update just to tell you where we are. Okay. So first, as a means of tying all the material together we've covered so far, let me do a quick review. Uh, in fact, let's just open up the phone lines now, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Everybody who's uh, interested in calling, call on in and we'll handle you that way. Okay, so 45 weeks ago, we, we embarked on our kind of exhaustive analysis of the Book of Mormon. And remember, we liken the bringing forth of the Book of Mormon to raising an onion from a seed. And uh, in fact, we renamed the Book of Mormon the Book of Mormonian. Remember? The Book of Mormonian. How was it produced? Why? To understand the Book of Mormon, you have to peel back the layers, layer after layer after layer, get the history, get the, everything that goes about it for you to really get what, how it was put together. Okay? And so we called the process of creating this Book of Mormon, cultivating a religious fraud. And so we showed you this uh, poster 45 weeks ago, and this was where we started off. Remember? Okay, and we began examining all the necessary elements to raise an onion, and we started examining first the ground that was um, the Book of Mormon uh, would be grown in. And we likened that ground to the uh, early American setting that predated Joseph Smith's birth, who his grandfather uh, was, who his father and mother were in this 
pre-birth of Joseph Smith, and we talked about this ground and how it formed much of the text of what the Book of Mormon would be. Then we introduced the actual seed of the Book of Mormon. It was the next thing. So we found the ground, and that's the early American history, and now we have the seed for the Book of Mormonian, and we labeled that the history of Joseph Smith's parents. His mother was a religious fanatic. His father was religiously indifferent because he believed, as his father believed, that their true church needed to be restored to the earth. And so this was the actual seed of the Book of Mormon coming forth because the Smith parents, Joseph's parents, did not believe the Bible could be trusted completely, at least his father especially. And so they had to come up with something new. So that was the seed. Then we moved on and we talked about the fertilizer that was going to be needed to fertilize this Book of Mormonian seed on that ground. And we used uh, as an emblem of the fertilizer the occultic practices, the folklore magic that Joseph Smith and his father were involved in since Joseph was knee high all the way till he died, to the point he died as the prophet of the church, steeped in the occult, steeped in magic practices, uh, uh, D. Michael Quinn's Mormonism and the early uh, Mormon view, Mormon early Mormonism and the magic world view, is a fantastic book to read about Joseph Smith's practices in the occult. So that fertilizer, that occult fertilizer, fertilized the fermentation and the growth. And then we, this was all preparatory to the planting of the seed. And the planting of the seed, we said, was when an angel from heaven named Moroni supposedly showed up and told Joseph there were some golden plates buried in a hill, and it was going to take him about six years to get a hold of them. And so during that six years period of time, Joseph was going to be working on a format and outline for the Book of Mormon. Of course, the Book of Mormon needed seed, now that it's been planted, needed to be watered, and we likened that to the translation process that Joseph said he went through. And we discussed all about how he supposedly translated this. Do you remember when we brought out the Urim and Thummim, the glass things and the hat and all that stuff? All part of this Book of Mormon, which is supposed to be the Word of God, okay? Then when the 116 pages were taken by Martin Harris's wife, she took them to catch Joseph in his lie, uh, the Book of Mormon stood in jeopardy. We liken that to a pest, or, and we needed pesticide to take care of this so that the Book of Mormon would continue to grow. And so the lost 116 pages were something that we went through and analyzed about what came uh, along with that. Finally, after all these things uh, that went into the growth of the Book of Mormon, we began to harvest it 11 weeks ago and uh, pull it out of the ground, which included... 10, 11 shows studying some of the book's characteristics, uh, anachronisms generally, a general look at uh, chiasmus uh, and their claims of chiasmus, modifications Joseph Smith used for names in the Bible and from maps in his local place. Uh, uh, we described this magic ball called the Liahona and talked about that. We talked about Martin Harris and him being the man with the money and the mark to get the thing printed. We talked about the witnesses, the eight and the three, and we talked about the Charles Anton event. All of that stuff, totally up to scrutiny. There, we have not had LDS call and say, lie, this is wrong, this is wrong, Sean, you're wrong on this. Nobody calls on that. They just call to say my hair is funny or, or I've gained weight or something like that. But they never call about the things that we've been presenting for 45 weeks, every now and then a little thing here and there. But for the most part, everything we're telling you has been true 
about this book that's supposed to be the greatest book on the face of the earth. And then finally, we talked about how uh, when it came to actually printing the book, Martin Harris backed away and said, no, nah, I don't want to pay for it. And he was one who was supposed to have seen the plates. So he's supposed to have seen the plates, but now he doesn't want to pay for it. An angel supposedly showed him the plates, but now he doesn't want to pay for its printing. Joseph then received a revelation. We talked about that last week. And in that revelation, Jesus literally threatens him and says, pay for the printing of the book. Literally, almost, that's almost verbatim. And Martin Harris, being a fearful, uh, zealous religious man, paid for it. This brings us to the actual first edition of the Book of Mormonian. Uh, now, after uh, we cover the events surrounding Joseph going to trial, establishing the church, and all that stuff, we're going to get into the Book of Mormon itself, and we're going to start peeling back all the layers of that book. And we're going to have to find out one thing, and that is, is the Book of Mormon of ancient origin? You have to understand, that is the single most important question. Is the Bible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Proven fact. Is the Book of Mormon of ancient origin as Joseph and Mormons claim? The question whether it teaches truth or some truth, whether it talks about Jesus Christ, uh, whether it supports the Bible in areas, or whether it's interesting or a boring read, they're all irrelevant. The bottom line question we have to ask is, is the Book of Mormon from an ancient source? If it is, Joseph Smith's claims got to be considered true, okay? But if it's not, then he is certainly a religious charlatan, and the books and revelations and stories and doctrines he's produced, which we know are false when compared to the Bible, can also be thrown out the window. So how can we tell if the origins of the content of the Book of Mormon are ancient or not? By examining what is presented as ancient and see if the concepts were present and around Joseph Smith's specific time and living. If we can show that those themes were current and present during his life, then we have caught him in a major plagiarism. That's going to be our goal. And it is right here on these grounds that the Book of Mormonian is going to prove to be uh, a very uh, bitter, sour fruit. And everything we have presented thus far is just ancillary to this question. Is it truly a book of ancient origin? So that's how, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to present a laundry list of themes, uh, literary styles, resources that Joseph Smith took his information from, and we're going to open up a first edition and we're going to go through chapter by chapter. Now, it's not going to be arduous. I'm going to do work ahead of time, and we'll go through it quickly, and we're going to point out these themes and these actual words and phrases uh, that are in the Book of Mormon taken directly from the time that Joseph Smith was alive, and we're going to do it A to Z beginning in a couple weeks. That's going to close the book on our exhaustive study of the Book of Mormon being a fraud. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973. TV 20. We have Jeff from Grantsville. He's a pastor. Jeff, you're on Heart of the Matter. Is this yeah, you're on the air, man. Hey, I just muted you off the TV. Hey, brother, I praise the Lord for what you do on uh, uh, for the Mormon people. However, I'm not, uh, I was never LDS. I did come out of a cult. I always considered ourselves probably as you are the lost 13th tribe. 
But uh, anyways, I came out of the Worldwide Church of God with uh, Herbert W. Armstrong, and about 25 years ago I got saved wonderfully, and uh, now I'm a pastor of a local church out in Tooele, Utah. But I just want to ask a simple uh, question, Sean. What do you think uh, the devil's number one enemy is? Number one enemy? Yes, sir. What is the devil's number one enemy? What is well, the, the devil the, the number Lord? one uh, target to destroy? The Lord? The Bible? The Bible. Yes, sir. The Word of God. Get one of them. <laughs> hey, remember in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, what was the first thing he did to poor old Eve? He, uh, he used... They have God said. Right. He used the word. In her, Put doubt in her mind towards the Word of God. Yeah. You know, and mankind has been attacking the Word of God ever since. And uh, what's the matter with these cults is that they deny the power of God, you know? Amen. They, they act like God needs mankind's help to, to restore the church or to restore the Word of God, or, you know, they just deny the power of God. And uh, I, just, I just wanted to let you know that. And uh, that's the biggest problem we have. Remember, Jesus said that, uh, the blind leader, uh, the lead, blind leader lead the blind. They both fall in the ditch. That's right. And hey, I uh, have what's a happening I here is you got blind guides trying to lead the blind, and and they both end up falling in the ditch. And uh, now that's what's happening is because they're using a false book, they're using a false doctrine, a false gospel. And uh, I just want to also let you know that. Uh, I praise the Lord for what you're doing, brother, and uh, I have many family members that are ca caught up in, in Mormonism, and uh, I praise God that you are, are uh, showing the world their, their true meaning, and Thanks, I Jeff. just want you to keep up the good work. Thanks, my brother. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Well, actually, a comment first. I totally concur. I believe it's the worst thing Joseph Smith did amidst many horrible things was to get people not to trust the Word of God. The Word of God is, I mean, it is paramount to Christians coming to know the Lord better and better and to changing life and to everything, the renewing of our spirit, renewing of our minds. Let me ask you something. You're in the Worldwide Church of God. You left, you left before Tekach, uh changed everything, didn't you? Uh, yes, sir. Yes. What, do you see parallels between... I uh, was raised in the old, the old teachings with Herbert W. Armstrong and... And then I got saved and born again, and my family, of course, like the LDS, they shunned me. How about now? They, uh, I'm a Baptist pastor in Tooele, Utah, by the way. But how about your family? Huh? How about your family? Oh, they, they're all, they're, they went to the new teachings, praise God. They went to the Saved by Grace. Uh, some of them are still kind of... Uh, Legalistic? We're plopping around in the old, the old ways, yeah. you know. But, yeah. Uh, so, but I praise so, God that they've come out, and uh, you know that's our biggest prayer. You know, if you go to Romans chapter ten, it talks about how they have a zeal to serve God, and they go about establishing their own righteousness. That's our biggest prayer: is that someday maybe the leaders in the Mormon Church would just wake up, you know, and, and yeah. man up and say, "Hey, we were wrong. We've been teaching wrong. And it'd be a wonderful." thing to see all these wards start preaching the gospel, you know, I mean, I agree. we do We do serve a powerful God, and I know he could do it if, if they would just uh, 
swallow some pride and man up, you know. Hey, that's it's a great call, uh, Pastor Jeff. Look forward to meeting you. All right, brother. I plan on trying to be there sometime. Uh, tell Robert I said hi. Matter of fact, uh, the man you had on last week, Robert, I he oh, was dear. there when I when I got saved it, uh, with my old pastor a long Praise time God. ago, who's passed along now. So, hey, thanks so God much, Jeff. You. God bless you. Again, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, we have a question here off air. What is the copyright date of the book by Michael Quinn? Uh, let me see. Uh, I have no idea. I, look, uh, it came out in the late 1990s. Uh, they reprinted it in around 2001, I believe. And it's called uh, Early Mormonism and the Magic World View. Fantastic read. And even if some of the stuff is uh, conjecture on Quinn's part, he's a great scholar. He used to be a church historian. I mean, he knows his stuff. He brings out all the secret stuff about the uh, occult and magic practices of the Smith family, including Joseph, uh, all the way down to his death. Jeannie says, in the Tribune, they said the LDS count everyone as a member who has ever been baptized in the church. For 110 years. <laughs> God. The spin goes on and on. Fast is growing now. I'm like, come on. For the past, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're spin doctors because they're marketing machine because they present some kind of foolishness instead of what the Word of God does. So, listen, several months ago, Aletheia Ministries uh, began producing a program uh, called uh, The X-Files, hosted by Bishop Earl Erskine. Uh, take a look. Did you notice that little email down below or that website, www.xmormonfiles.tv? Go to that, fill out a form if you were LDS and if you're now a born-again Christian. That's the caveat. We just don't want people who have been LDS and are now out and worshiping goats and things. We want people who have come out of Mormonism and into a saving relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, have been in, in the body for a while and can articulate the differences in their personal walk with what happened with them when they were LDS versus where they are now and the differences. It's having a remarkable impact. We get emails all the time from all over. It's growing and this is a, a, another way. So please, if you don't think you have anything to say, if you're camera shy, uh, it doesn't matter. Once you get going on that, the, the Lord will uh, fill you up with the Holy Spirit and your, your testimony, so to speak, your walk, your faith will come through. And it's really important, you know, that we keep this thing, the pipeline filled with people who are willing to come and share their story. So you'll look fine on, on screen. If I can look fine on screen, you can look fine on screen. So come do it. Uh, we have uh, Sam from Ogden who has a good question about God. Sam, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hey, Sam, you're on the air, man. Uh... I have a question. Yeah, you have to turn your TV down, Sam. Okay. You're live on the air, so is your TV down? I'm down. Okay, what's your question? The question is, you believe that the God is spirit. Yes. That's what I believe. The God is spirit. Yes. The Father, yes. One, the Holy Spirit. One God. Yes. yes. You believe only one God is spirit. I believe in one God who's spirit with the Son manifested in flesh, yes. 
but what about the Jesus Christ's baptism? Yeah. When he come up from the water, from the water, and he's and and the Holy Spirit descended, and he heard a voice, and his father said, uh, "And who, behold, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay, you asked I'm me. I'm talking about the voice. Yes, the voice was the the, the voice, voice was is not coming from the spirit. The voice was the thought talking in the small. The voice was the no voice. Is uh, uh, again talking in a loud voice. The voice was the spirit, Sam. The spirit of God. Oh, I, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care. It's not. It's not coming from the Bible. The Father. Only, only voice is coming from the flesh and bone. Can the Father speak? The loud voice. The loud voice. Sam, can the Father? Yes. Sam, can the Father speak? You can. You can ask. Sam. You can ask Sam. The spirit to talk. They, they never talking loud. A spirit cannot speak. Never, never talking loud. A spirit doesn't speak loud. No, no. Never. Have you read the Old Testament? I, I believe. Have you... Only voices coming from the fresh and bone, the loud voice, the fresh and bone. Okay. I. Is there anything else you want to say? Yes. Go ahead. Say it. The Father in heaven is. He's, he's got a body. He's got a body. Flesh, flesh and bone. A flesh and bone. I believe. Okay, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? So, you, and Can you stop talking for a second? I'm listening to you. Okay, Sam. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, uh, Peter, uh, Simon Barjona, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus... I'm not talking to you now. I'm talking to the guy over there. Okay, you can't smoke pot when you call. I've told people. No ganj, no hard alcohol. Sam? I, I did I did believe you when you... You, you told me that, that in my understanding that uh, the spirit doesn't Sam, talk Sam, in love. your understanding is garbage. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, uh, God is a spirit. Jesus. Jesus said, God is a spirit. Jesus said, God is a spirit. And we must worship him in spirit and in truth, Sam. Where do you get the idea that where do you get the where do you get the idea that he has a body? And I'm sorry, with testicles and armpit hair and acne on his back. Flesh, flesh, John. You read that? They said they in 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 heaven they have a a father and the scripture and the spirit. You're not. I'm, I gotta cut you off. We have people who want to call and make sense. You're not doing it. You've called before and you're not making sense. Yeah. When you do and you read your Bible with the eyes that are regenerated, and you can understand, the, Sam. Okay. Then you call back. I read the, Don't call with your read, garbage, Sam. That's what I understand. That I gave you some really good examples. But Jesus Himself. Holy Spirit told me that 
The Holy Spirit told you what? The, the God, the Father, he has a body. Okay, well, the Holy Spirit told me yeah. to hang up on you. It just keeps going. All right, Joe, Salt Lake City, LDS. He supposedly called last week, but tonight we're taking everybody. Joe, you're on the air. Yes, sir. Turn your I just want to Joe, turn your TV down. It's down. All right, you're on the air. I just want to say that, uh, you know, just like that guy who just called, I mean, he's in a cloud. Sounds like he's in a cloud in the fog. This, this, uh, the, the Mormon Church has... It, the proof of the Mormon Church's the uh, reality did. is that wherever it sets up, the people are organized and they produce good lives. The Third Reich did that too. Yeah, but the the point is, is that when you distract, when you're distracted and try to push the Mormon Church out of your life, then what you get is just like that cholera cult. People are confused. They they wander around, uh, stumble around. Joe. Apart. Joe. Joe, yes, sir. that caller who called is an active LDS member. Joe. Well, yeah, I couldn't make heads or tails of what he was saying. Exactly. But, but, exactly, Joe. So your, yeah. your premise that you just came on the show with was just shot to hell. That was an LDS guy who you couldn't make sense of who was pr pr uh, proposing that the father has a body. Do you realize what you just I did? I couldn't even understand what the point he was making. Hey, well, he's one of yours, not mine. Well, you were the one saying he was on drugs or something, but well, he sounded like it to me. The point is, is that when you distract, when you distract from God's true church on earth, okay, you are you are jeopardizing your very soul and all the people that you take with him, just like the Ten Commandments. Okay, when the, don't give me your parallels to the Ten Commandments and things, Joe. But you made a point. Now let me ask you something, okay? I, I am asking people to make Jesus Christ their king, to be born again, and to expect their entire salvation experience. That means returning. That means going to Heavenly Father after this life. No kingdoms. I am telling people, believe on Jesus and his word, the Bible. And you are telling me my salvation stands in jeopardy because I am saying, wait a minute, I'm almost done. Because I am saying, do not trust a, a man who was a con man in the uh, 1830s. All right, let's do this. Uh, Moses went up to the to the top of the mountain and and was transfigured and was given the Ten Commandments and he came back down and while he was gone, all the people who had been following him had built a golden calf. All right. And they said, what happened to you people? Well, Joseph Smith was visited by. The Lord himself. Okay, you make as much sense as the other caller. I mean, that, that was a jump in logic that was wider than the Grand Canyon. Right, but if you don't, okay, wait, I want to give you a scripture, okay? If you no, wait, you talk about Moses coming down from the mountain, that Joseph Smith is a prophet like unto Moses. Will you explain, will you explain this if scripture Joseph to me? was visited. Look at the plates. The, will you, the, wait a minute with the plates. Will you explain this scripture to me, please? Will you explain this scripture to me? Okay, you ready? Yeah. God, who in different times and in different manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Will you explain that to me? 
Well, I don't understand the question. Yeah, because you're in the same boat as the other guy that you couldn't understand. Oh, I, I don't understand the question, but I can tell you this. Salt Lake City wouldn't be here if it wasn't be, because of men of God. The Mormon people are a magnificent people. And Berlin, would it be there established as it was if it wasn't for Adolf Hitler? We're not talking about Adolf Hitler. I am. We're you're talking about, you, listen, listen. About a religion. Joe, about Joe, you're in America. Religion, religion is everything. Holy land. Whether it's militaristic, whatever it is, religion is religion. Walmart has its own religion, dude. So let me tell you something. You keep saying that the evidence of Mormonism being so great is that wherever they put their footprint, it prospers into this beautiful, growing metropolis of, of orderliness and uh, organization. This is your premise that you came onto the show with, okay? It produces beautiful people. Beautiful That's people. Well, look at, you say the parallel's not true. Albert Speer, Adolf Hitler's architect, built beautiful places. And Hitler hated drinking and alcohol. He hated burlesque. He could not stand these things of the flesh. He rose up a beautiful people, white Aryan people, and he called them the master race. And he didn't like black people either. Dog. I think the parallels go on and on and on. You think that, you think, now wait a minute and I'll let you go. But you think because an organization is able to produce things on this earth, that makes them viable and worthy before God? You're insane. Look at the Tower of Babel. Go ahead. God. We're talking about beautiful people in the spirit. Oh. Okay, you're a great guy. You're. I'm not a great guy, dude. I am not a great guy, and neither are you. Men are fallen. Great leader, but in I'm, order I'm to... Not a, look at. No. we are fallen. You are, you are giving me LDS rhetoric. We are fallen yeah. beings. We are humans. Prove yourself. You have to have a structure. That's what the church is there for to improve yourself. And that's why when God loved the world so much, he sent a building of brick and mortar to fall out of the sky, right? Right, words, because it's a church that's gonna save us, not a being, a church. The church, Jesus brought this church to the earth so that man can live a more abundant life, so you can be better than what you are now. That's the genius of the church. That's the genius, the evil genius of the church, because the gospel that it presents is absolutely antithetical to the gospel that Jesus Christ presented. Do you remember what he said in 1 Corinthians, Joe? Listen, let me read it to you, please. Let me read this to you, explain this to me, okay? It's really easy. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh, Joe, no flesh should glory in his presence. How do you apply that to Mormonism and their five billion dollar mall? All I can tell you is when you see the light, I'm gonna come by and I'll be glad to pick you up, bring you back. Nice summary statement. You're on a track to great disappointment. And I'm not talking about here on this earth. You get your reward here when you're a Mormon, fine. But when you go and meet the Lord, you're gonna see that you traded in truth. The Holy Spirit's been calling you. He, you heard the, the truth tonight in several passages, but you keep standing on your yeah. flesh. Your flesh, Joe, it, and it is nothing before God. All, don't forget about all the people the Mormon church has helped along the way. Oh yeah, including themselves. Oh. In fact, we're going to read about that right now. Thanks for the call, Joe. Talk to you later. Uh, we talk, Mormonism talks about being Christian, 
Steve C. wrote us and he said, did you know that even though BYU accepts non-LDS students, if any LDS student ever converts to another religion, they will be expelled for violating the honor code, even if they live up to every other requirement. The Mormon church says we're Christian, it's like everybody else, we're so good, we help other people. If you play their game, they'll help you. But they aren't gonna help you that much, relatively speaking, if you're not in, in line with them. And let me tell you something, I'm the last person they're gonna help. You stand against them, you speak against Mormonism, you're not gonna get their help. This is how they operate. A Christian school, some kid's going to a Christian school and he's a Lutheran when he starts and he becomes a, a Baptist later. Are they gonna kick him out? Are they gonna refuse giving him his diploma, which BYU also does? because they do that as well. They can refuse transferring your credits once they kick you out and or giving you a diploma if you join a Christian denomination while you're attending BYU under the premise that you have violated their honor code. We are talking about one scary, freaking scary institution. Scary. Okay, uh, let's see who we got on the line. We got Jason and Sandy. <coughs> Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hi, Sean. Hey, um uh, you know, I, I'm actually just the first time that I think I've ever seen you on TV. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm quite intrigued. I just wanted to ask a few background questions uh, mm. about you, not, not, not to put you on the spot. Oh, you can't, but go I'm, ahead. I'm curious. Uh, I assume that you were originally a Mormon. Your assumption is correct. And you went on a mission, right? Absolutely. Okay, so, so can I ask you a question? You, you have a, I've noticed you have a power and a passion and kind of a fire about you. When you were on your mission, did you have that same kind of power and, and, and fire and passion? Uh, not the same, but I was a passionate guy. I am a passionate guy. God created me that way. So whether I was in, deluded in a lie or in the truth, I'm going to still be Sean McCraney in the way he created me. So I was an assistant to the president over half my mission. I did the training. I was a great speaker to the missionaries. I sold the product, you know, and I believe the product because that's what I cut my teeth on as a young man. I sang, you know, I want to be a missionary now and Book of Mormon stories that my teacher tells to me and follow the prophet, you know, so I was engaged, I believed, and I went with my whole heart doing it. But I got to tell you something mm -hmm. within me, within me was still a bastard, a rat bastard. And he was arrogant. And he thought that he walked on water. And when I got home from that mission, baby, let me tell you something. I thought I was everything. I was ready for celestial king. And the honor heaped upon me for the great job I did, a job well served. And I was made an elders quorum president. Boy, I was put in a bishopric. I was on the stake high council for how many years? I was early morning seminary teacher. I was in my glory. And that was the problem. That's what it does. It glorifies men. And the Lord said, you know what you are, Sean? You're a sinful man. That's what you are. And you know it. And I did know it. And I was able, for, by God's grace, to hear him tell me, you need to be completely devastated of your ego. And that's when I came to know the Lord and I realized who he was. The guy who came from heaven as God, took on a body of flesh like this, lived perfectly, obeyed the law to a T, and died for the sins that I was committing as a Mormon in pride, arrogance, and every other thing you can imagine. So that's the story of what happened, Jason. You have more? Well, uh, I just wondered, how, how do you feel you differ today as opposed to then? And, and when you were on your mission, did you, how successful were you? Did you convert a lot of people? And, I don't think and so. Did you, did, did you ever keep in touch with them? Uh, I called them, made an attempt to call all of them to try to make reparations and couldn't get a hold of them. I wasn't a high baptizing missionary. 
But, I, I mean, what would you say, just out of care? I mean, roughly, did you, did you, did you baptize 10? No, maybe six. Oh, okay. So, so you actually did keep in, uh, try to keep in touch with them. I tried to tell them what occult that I brought them into. And I've repented for that. And I tried to call and let them know, but I just couldn't get in touch with most of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, okay, thank you very much. There's nothing more? Well, I just, again, you, you know, you, you described how you were on your mission. Um, how, can you draw just a, a, a contrast to how you are today? I'm at peace today. At peace. Uh, uh, I wasn't you weren't at, at peace back then. You I was not at peace. Con- you were constantly trying to outdo yourself, but not. And everybody around me. And I was trying to do 100% home teaching. And I was trying to fast with the right attitude. And I was trying to obey the Sabbath day. And I was trying to obey the word of wisdom. And I was trying to pay 10%. I was trying to get to the temple once a month. I was trying to hold family home evening. I was trying to do everything they told me. And it about killed me. And inside my heart, something just said, you're going to kill yourself on this road. You've got to do something to figure out what is really right between you and God. And so all that trying, you're right, I tried. I tried and tried and tried. And it did nothing but heap burdens on my back. And Jesus said, hey, come unto me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And and so I, I embraced that from a preacher who was on the radio. He said, look at you can't fix yourself for heaven. Someone else did that for you. And so I offered a prayer, and by the end of the day, my life was changed. And you know what? That day, Jason, I, I felt peace. And that burden was lifted that day, and that burden is still off my back as long as I don't go to try to re-embrace it and throw it back on. And I'm telling you, that is the cognitive difference. If you want to know the big difference, the between being a Mormon and being a Christian is the burden is gone because my Lord came and took it for me. Wow. Make sense? Very, very well said. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to Clay in Ogden, first-time caller. Clay, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello? Hey, Clay, you're on the air. Is this Sean? It is. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm, a, I'm calling from Ogden. Uh, I was actually an LDS member uh, when, I was a younger, when I was younger in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I, I stopped going when I, when I got a little older, and, but the rest of my family went. Some of them still are, you know. But, you know, years go by, and uh, just taking an outside looking in, I always wondered why they never, uh, the church never went to look for the plates, you know. I know that if I was in charge of burying the plates, I'm not going to dig a hole big enough I can't get out of. Well, <clears throat> my friend's a mining engineer in Kentucky, and he's got some equipment that could, uh, Pinpoint a gold coin 300 feet in the air. So, Whoa. I'm just I'm just wondering why why they never spent one dollar on a backhoe, a bobcat, anything. You well, know? it's a really good ask, question. We'll, we'll ask 10 percent from the Eskimos, but we won't go find nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Clay, uh, you know they own the Hill Camora, and and according to all accounts from early church history, that's where the plates went back. Now they try to say the angel took them back too, but Brigham Young himself said Oliver Cowdery told him. They were put back in that hill. Why don't they excavate that, that hill, Camorra, for anything that was there? Old weapons, any coin, any auntie, any bones, anything. 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 I'm telling you, they got, they got a checkbook. They can do it. But That's right. Why, why waste their money and look for something that ain't there? Amen. There you go, Clay. You got that right. Good the money good. train rolling. You know what I mean? Joseph Smith was a really, really smart, smart man. 10%, the guy's a genius. Sure. You know? I would agree. It's just, it's just sad that, you know, it snowballed into what it is. Yeah. And now, look, I mean, think about how much money they'd have to ask back, you know? Yeah. Over a made-up whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Really good call. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye, Clay.
Scott and Bountiful. Uh, and I don't understand that note. Scott, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, how you doing, sir? Woo, good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, I just had a comment. Uh, apparently, they're not mixing the puns good enough. Too heavy with these people. But anyway, um, I think the lot of the problem is, Sean, is uh, when the silver cord parts, you know, these people just are they're biblically illiterate. They have no idea what the Bible says, what it means. I mean, if you compare the Bible to the Book of Mormon and the nuances between the New Testament and the Old Testament and, and how, how simple it is, but yet how complex it is, and the Book of Mormon against that, it, it's nothing. It's like reading a child's book. You're exactly it's, right. It, yeah, and, uh, you know, when the silver cord parts and you open your spiritual eyes and you open your eyes and you see Joseph Smith, I'm afraid you've made it to hell. That's about it, because all the people that guy is deceived and led astray. Yeah, there's no other place for that guy. Yeah. So I, I don't, that's all I had. It's a, it's a good call. Thanks for uh, the thought-provoking. Keep it up. I love you, man. Take care. Thanks so much. God bless. Peace out. Bye bye. Peace out. That's my new. Uh, that's my new phrase. Billy Bob, an ardent defender of Mormonism, posed a question to us. He says he's 14 years old. I said, Billy Bob, I'm not going to write to you unless your parents give you permission to contact us. He says his parents have given him permission. He writes, if you accepted Jesus and were born again and you killed yourself and your family, would you go to hell? And uh, instead of answering Billy Bob's question, we responded with another question that said, if you were born again and you told a lie, would you go to hell? And we do that because, um, you see, being a Christian does not mean, it can never mean, perfection in action. We will continue till the day we die sinning. And uh, all it means as a Christian, which is everything, is you have accepted the solution offered by God to this sinful world, his son, by faith. You have accepted him as the sole solution to the sins that you have committed, the sins you will commit, and the sins uh, that, uh, whatever. Um, and see, the thing about it is this. The LDS have this idea that uh, it's your righteousness, your personal righteousness that is going to grant you a place and reception by God when you die and go before him. And it was, it's not. It's his righteousness, the Lord's righteousness, his ability to keep the law out of love and his ability to do everything out of the proper motive. And because he came and did that and then gave his life against his will, but according to the Father's will, he gave his life for us sinners. It is by and through our faith on him that a person is saved, uh, Billy Bob. And so you've got it wrong. And I understand how you have it wrong being a Latter-day Saint. I've given this parallel before and I'll give it again. And it really does bother some people. But if you have two neighbors living out in the desert next to each other, and one neighbor has lived a perfect semi-perfect life, really good life, faithful to his family, does everything right, really doing well, goes to church every Sunday, and the guy next to him is a drunken bum, whoremonger his entire life. Okay, there's the scenario. But this guy does not receive Jesus as the only, as the only solution to his salvation. He thinks it's going to be by his works and that Jesus just makes up for a few things. He sees him as his elder brother. And this guy, as a 747 is coming down from the sky and about to crash on their two homes, this guy has a moment where he says, you know, I think I have wasted my life. Like Johnny Cash says, Lord, I've wasted it. Hey, Lord, will you forgive me? 
will you be the, my Lord and Savior? And boom, the plane crashes. That guy has done nothing of merit. Filthy rag life. This guy has had a great productive life, but never knew the true and living God. Never knew that Jesus was the I am. This man will go before God justified by the blood of Christ, regardless of his wasted life. It's by his faith that he pleases the Father, as Hebrews says, and nothing else. And this man would go straight to hell, okay? That's how what the gospel is. If you don't understand that, you've been deluded, you've been tricked, you've been conned, you've been manipulated, and you've been put into a set of rules to pay your tithing and to hit your Sabbath day and dress right and look right, all because you think it's by that that how you're going to please God. It's not, and you're going to have a rude awakening. Join us next week as we go in, and we're going to start analyzing the Book of Mormon a little bit more closely. We love you. We appreciate all of your prayers, all your support. See you next week here on Heart of the Matter.